You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, The AfterBuzz Studios in Los Angeles, California. Presented by Maria Menounos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is AfterBuzz TV's pay-per-view after show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's pay-per-view after show. Hello and welcome to a special UFC after show. It is our first ever doubleheader. Mm-hmm. And it is the UFC's first ever doubleheader. There was two fights in one night. Two shows in one day. Two yep. shows in one day yesterday. One was in Auckland, New Zealand. That was mm-hmm. on Fight Pass. And one was in San Antonio, Texas. And that was on Fight Night Fox Sports 1. We are going to be covering both of them. My name is Daria Baronado. I thought it was Daria. You just pronounce it wrong. <laughs> you just don't know me. This is George Hermosa. Her- Hermosa. That's not happening. No, just try it. <laughs> just try it. Hermosa. Hermosa. Can't purr. Well, you will get there. Can't purr. I'll get there. I will practice it for next time. Hermosa. What's with the Z? So Hermosa. And with that, that's J Tan. Tan. Yeah. Tan. 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 Oh, no. I think she's probably right. J Tan. J Tan. Okay. Anyway, we're going to start off uh, talking about the Fight Pass fights. Uh, Mm -hmm. It was headlined with Mr. James Tehuna and... uh, Go for it. You got it. like that? James Tehuna. And Miss... Nate Marquardt. We sit in the trailer and they make fun of my pronunciations. And then we get here and they make fun of how I pronounce their names. I just can't win. It's the Jersey Girl thing. Partially. Yes, it is. (laughs) James Tehuna versus Nate Marquardt. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mike Quartz. Wait, Mark, Nate Marquardt. The fight happened. Oh, okay. In New Zealand. So there's, there's a fight <laughs> happening right now. And that's the peanut gallery. Shout out to Stephen behind the boards there. Anyway, yeah. uh, um, some great fights, some not so great fights. We're going to start with Hatsu Hiyoki versus Charles Oliveira. Mm-hmm. Uh, go ahead. Well, <laughs> I'm not talking on the show Run with anymore. It. No, you know, it's let, let's first uh, kind of broad strokes here. Like you said, this is the first time that the UFC has tried to do uh, or has, has done two shows in, in one day. Mm-hmm. And it's because of the time difference that right. they're able to do that. Um, you know, it's I think that's one of the only scenarios geographically in the world where you can get away with that. I remember seeing stories right. on CNN where, um, you know, the first – Parties for New Year's Eve, when New Year's Eve happens, you know, they first report from down under, Australia and New Zealand. Right. And then, you know, as the day goes on, you work your way up to, uh, um, you know, throughout, I guess, uh, Europe and Asia uh, and eventually to uh, um, to the U.S. US. And I think that's, yeah, that's going to be kind of the, the model we see mm-hmm. for the times that, uh, that they do this, these uh, yeah. two shows. Either they- that or they'll broadcast one. Um, I wonder if they'll ever have to broadcast at the same time. Come to think of it, like if they do Berlin, right? You know, and then somewhere in uh, 
No, because it'll be eight hour difference. There still, at least. Yeah, there would still be a time change. Yeah, yeah. So but, whether it be pre recorded or yeah. not, I don't know. So this uh, this show, this was the first time that they hit uh, New Zealand. They mm-hmm. were in Auckland, and uh, of course the crowd was was really hot for that. And they had mm-hmm. a lot of uh, local guys that they're building up. Uh, James Tahuna, you mentioned mm-hmm. Soa Palele, Robert Whitaker, who uh, who won tough smashes. Smashes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, clarification on that. Uh, Vic Gruchik, who was on uh, um, the last season of Ultimate Fighter, mm-hmm. and he is Australian, if I remember correctly. Um, so it was uh, it was designed uh, designed to, for the locals to to see their stars. And uh, the big one, the, one of the well, there was two of them that really stood out to me. Uh, one actually, in, in terms of fights of the night, uh, John Viante. And Sean O'Connell fought in, I believe it was the second actual fight right, uh, of that on, night. Yeah. You know, but uh, first one on Fight Pass, mm-hmm. um, and that was a fantastic three-round war. Those guys went at it. Um, it was a heavyweight match, um, or no, excuse light me, light heavyweight. heavyweight. Uh, light pardon heavyweight. me. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, just a, a lot of a uh, lot, lot of action back and forth. Both guys go in, and uh, John Viante pulled out the uh, split decision win by scores of twenty-nine, twenty-eight. 29-28 the second time, and then 28, uh, 29-28 for Sean O'Connell. Mm-hmm. Crowd was, was – neither of them, uh, neither of the guys was a local, but uh, the crowd was vociferously uh, booing the decision. And I actually did score it for O'Connell as well. So, did you? Yeah. Uh, that one – that match did end up getting fight of the night honors uh, from, uh, from the UFC. Yeah, I thought so. That and as you know, we were talking about, which leads into you know the, the top match – uh, or of the top matches of the main card, mm-hmm. Hatsuhioki and Charles Oliveira. Um, also a really exciting one. That was my favorite, definitely. Yeah, yeah. A lot of back and forth scrambling uh, between two, you know, two established submission guys. They, yeah. Um, two two uh, BJJ black belts, two Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts going mm-hmm. against each other. Yeah. And usually I would frown upon a fight like this just because I love the stand-up game so much. Mm-hmm. But it was so entertaining so early on, and mm-hmm. it stayed that way throughout the duration of the fight. I mean, it was submission attempt after submission attempt by both guys. And great grappling on the feet as well as on the ground. Yeah, when they exactly. were on the feet, they were working for position mm-hmm. and trying to take back and everything. And on the ground, same thing. Yeah, both guys Absolutely. attempted. Uh, and in the end, Charles Oliveira uh, was able to catch uh, Hioki. With a uh, in the second round at 4:32 with an anaconda choke. I thought it was a Peruvian necktie. The, yeah, you they, know what? They said Shout out to my thing. Peruvians at home. <laughs> <laughs> Ken, Kenny Florian did mention that it was kind of a modified. He called it a, a, a Dars slash modified Peruvian necktie. Um, but really cool, uh, really cool finish there. Yeah, it's uh, kind uh, of surprising. Hatsuhiyoki has never ever ever been finished before. Mm-hmm. So kind yeah. of a very experienced veteran who. Never been finished. You kind of think they kind of shocked to me that whoa, that guy got finished. Yeah. So to me, it was kind of like wow, especially with the that was with quite that choke of a quite a first. A That's so. my reasoning for giving it fight of the night. Yeah. It's so cool seeing someone who like Hatsuhiyoki, who has been in the game for so long and is such a submission artist himself, but mm-hmm. has never been submitted. Yeah. So you go into a fight like that, hoping you know that a guy like Charles Oliveira can change that, and he mm-hmm. did. He did. He got. Uh, he had. Several submission attempts, though, early on. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorites by Hatsu Hiyoki was as soon as the fight started, he jumped a flying triangle. Right, yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, is it going to end as soon as it started? Like, I thought you it was You don't see over. that very often at all. No, yeah. no. Very um, uh, ballsy. Yeah, and then Oliveira was uh, attempting. I'm, trying, I'm looking at my notes trying to 
find my in, amidst my chicken scratch what he was going for, but Oliveira uh, attempted yeah. as well. What was it? A, um, I, I don't have it down here, him but I know. Hit a power bomb or something? Yeah. yeah Maybe something so. like that. And then there was a second round eye poke that took um that almost took Oliver out, out of the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, they were checking his eye. He couldn't even open it. They're like, look down, open it, open it. They thought he wasn't understanding English, I think. Yeah. And he mm-hmm. was like, I just can't open my eye. Yeah. When they were uh, there was a scramble on the ground and as they were coming up, Hioki was reaching to to base off of Oliveira and natural. finger went in the eye. Yeah. yeah. I think um, it was accidental. Sometimes we see things like that intentional for for, you know, breaks to get a breath in or something like that, but it, this definitely wasn't that scenario. I think yeah. it was very innocent. Yeah, but that was a, a really fun match. There was a lot of uh, good action on the undercard mm-hmm. as well. Uh, anybody that has Fight Pass, uh, by all means, you know, um, this uh, there was an influx as as you know we were overloaded with matches over uh, over the weekend. But if you got Fight Pass, which you can get for nine ninety nine monthly at <laughs> UFC dot com. <laughs> Um, definitely check out the prelims. They were a lot of fun. The prelims to the Tahuna Marquardt undercard were uh, were a lot of fun, and you get some good yeah. action there. It's cool to see that the, the second fight of the night get the fight of the night award. Mm-hmm. You know, rather than the main card or someone more expected, it's Just, cool to see one of those underdogs get the yeah. fight of the night award. Goes to show you, you know, a great match can happen up Anywhere. and down the card. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, next, we had <laughs> that said. <laughs> that said, segueing to. Saul Palele. Soa. Soa Palele. It's going to happen every time. <laughs> I, I mean, God it, bless you for it, Are though. you going to admit that it's an <laughs> accent different? Or? Saul, Soa, I don't know. Not not that difficult for me. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> okay. Soa Palele versus Go on, Jared Daria. Versus, yeah. What? Dari- said, continue, Daria. Oh, oh, you're allowing me. Thank you. That was so nice of you. To be clear, folks, it is Daria, but Daria. we're always going Daria. Yep. Shout out to Mike Judge and uh, Legacy of Beavis and Butthead. Mm-hmm. Look that up on Wiki, kids, if you have no idea what I'm talking about. I barely do. <laughs> but I do. Um, and more said about that, as opposed to Rochelle and Palele, perhaps the better. Um, y- seriously. This, th- this a- one brought down the momentum of the show quite a bit, unfortunately. Uh, Rochelle went on and uh, won by a unanimous decision, and for the most part, it was... Boring. Yeah, you know, I, I hate to talk uh, talk down about any match or any two people that step in a cage, but this one was not fireworks, to say the least, and unfortunately, it's kind of uh, Rochelle's style. I mean, m- m- most heavyweight fights, because they're so big and strong, usually tend to end in a knockout, and then when they do go the distance, they're usually pretty exciting, a la Mark Hunt. Antonio Silva. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Bigfoot. Unfortunately, this fight was not fell that. under neither of those two. Well, Rochelle with his wrestling pedigree. Uh, I you think know. this is one of the fights that Dana White looks at and is cringing the entire time, saying, "This is what I don't want." Oh yeah, yeah, I absolutely. Mean, it was he laid and prayed. He, I mean, there was Kenny Florian was doing the the, the commentating, and at one point he's like, "Oh, and he's." He's dragging him, and and now he's dragging him, and now he's laying on him, and I was like, oh my god, this is so bad. Yeah, well, Rochelle has uh, Rochelle is known for imposing his power well, and his not will to take and- away from Rochelle and, and his skill. He is a well known NCAA Division One championship mm-hmm. uh, wrestler. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a guy with a lot of credentials and a lot of credit to be given. Yeah, but when he took it to the cage, I I just don't like a lot of wrestlers' transformation. It's yeah. one of those things. Where if you want to win, cool. That that's cool. But if you want to get uh, get the money, get the title shots, get the notoriety, you got to become popular with fans. Yeah, exactly. yeah you've got to deliver even and some sort of likability. Yeah, you know. yeah. 
Um, Palele, though, I, I was kind of surprised, frankly. I saw a couple of times that it seemed like he was going for takedowns and why you would take down specifically or attempt to try to take down Such a guy wrestler. like yeah, Jake Rochelt, who mm-hmm. will be able to turn that on you. Jared. And then that's Jared. where you're going to be. Jared. Excuse me. I Jared. My bad. I'm due for a mistake, so I mean, <laughs> when I do, karma's just, just, coming to you. Yeah. Still, you know, n- not the strategy that I would have necessarily employed. No, to take not. Rochelle to the I mean, not to take anyway. away from his ground game. Playley has a good ground game as well, but it's like uh, I just don't. I don't understand what either of them are going for there. Yeah. Uh, Jared obviously was taking the easy route out, going with what he has been enforcing himself over the past. 20-plus yeah. years. Bad and, position for both fighters and, yeah. uh, and and the fans, quite frankly. But on a brighter note, yep. the main event did give us a, a little bit more action. Yeah, yeah. Nate Marquardt and James Tahuna. What about that entrance? Oh, man, that was awesome. Let's talk about that, right? The that Maori Warriors? Super cool. I, is that the first time? Maybe Probably. not the first, but... Is that the first time that something like that, like an many years ago? Like well, in in the modern era, yeah, many years ago, um, if I remember correctly. Gosh, who is? I want to say either uh, Kaul Uno or uh, no Genki Sudo. Genki Sudo uh-huh. when he fought in the UFC, and this was in the early part of the first decade of the two thousands. You know, um, Genki was known for his entrances. He would have wild costumes and, and stuff like that. Um, I, I still mean, pretty it's, cool. I mean, it was a cool visual, just mm-hmm. kind of seeing that culture. Energy. The yeah. crowd was kind of, going insane. But just getting a peek of that culture, too, because mm-hmm. obviously they aren't in a new country that they haven't been before and just kind of seeing it like, wow, that's that's awesome. That's what they're all about. Especially because I think they do that on soccer matches, too. I think I've yeah. seen a few wrestlers do that. But just right. seeing that on that UFC stage, mm-hmm. I thought that was cool. It kind of fight pass out, you know, rewind it a little bit just so I can watch it again. <laughs> yeah, that was super cool. If you saw the looks on those guys' faces, I think I would be more scared to fight yeah. them than the actual fighters. Yeah, yeah. They were really into it. So, A-plus on performance. It's a shame, though, that he, uh, James Tehuna, couldn't bring home the win because that would have been super awesome mm-hmm. in his hometown with such an entrance. But it went to it went to his opponent, but I think rightfully earned. Marquardt, yeah, Marquardt was on fire here. Uh, he mm-hmm. dropped him early with a knee, followed up with a, with a takedown, and you know was just was on top. Right. Um, very busy from uh, from the clinch against the cage. And First thirty seconds were amazing. By yeah, yeah. Uh, Marquardt, you know, had his number, and, and Tuna couldn't uh, couldn't get things off. You mm-hmm. know. Um, and then finally, we saw. I'm uh, taking a look here. Um, well. Uh, Tahuna almost escaped out the back. They were on the ground. Tahuna was uh, was trying to escape out the back. Mm-hmm. I think um, he was just trying to stand up, if anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was and trying to get back on his feet. Nate oh. secured an arm bar and, and got the tap pretty quickly there. Yeah. Uh, four minutes, 34 in the first round. Right. Um, he was yeah. in, uh, Nate was in Tahuna's guard, beating the crap out of Tahuna mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for a couple seconds. And I was like, that that's awesome. Because a lot of time... When you're in someone's guard, they're going for the submission on you. They're looking mm-hmm. for the Kimura or the triangle or the armbar, and they, you know, have dominance. But in MMA, it just goes to show you that, I mean, clearly punches and, and uh, you know, physical dominance. Staying busy can, on top. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Now, Nate's, you know, that was Nate's 51st match. Uh, wow. Not a spring chicken. He's been no. around for a long time. You know, former king of pancrase. Uh, Strike Force champion at uh, welterweight. Right. Um, he, yeah, he was a welterweight for a few years. I mean, did you ever see that fight with him? That in long, the, really? I don't remember. I thought he, most of his fight at middleweight. No, I'm saying I was going to say. Uh, did you see the welterweight ago. fight with Tyrone Woodley, where he just knocked the crap out of uh-huh. Woodley? I mm-hmm. Oh my god, that it. was that was brutal. Just yeah. the wicked uppercut. So yeah, he has had some success at a uh, welterweight. Coming back up to middleweight, I mean. I, I think I like him at middleweight. 
Yeah. Jameson Huna, though, he was known for being a light heavyweight. He looked mm-hmm. huge. Right. He, down. he, he towered so over big. Nate. I said that he looked like a baby Bigfoot Silva, which is not very baby if you yeah. know Bigfoot Little Silva. Little Silva, if yeah. you will. Littlefoot Silva. <laughs> that, that is James Tehuna. No, even like the looks, though, like that long jaw line, mm-hmm. I, it, they look a little, I saw a little resemblance. I'd have to look up if he uh, suffers from giantism at all. No. Maybe a little I don't, bit. I don't, no? I don't think so. I mean, we could look it up, but I don't think so. I'm really not sure. I think it was just a look difference. Maybe they're related somewhere, some way. To be continued, perhaps, who, or who, not. Who would you put Nate Marquardt up against? Next. Next. Mm. You got any thoughts on that? I don't know. It, it's a good question. It comes to mind. Um, I'm not quite sure. What about you, Daria? Let me let me try to get the camera that way while I look up on my trusty yeah, computer. Why he, why he Wikipedia, <laughs> He's going to he go Googles. cheat it here. <laughs> the rankings. That is not right. Um, I would put him up against... I've got. Uh, let, let's just throw one out here. Yoel Romero. Actually, you know what? what I, I like him against Yoel Romero. Actually, let's what, see. Okay. What I was going to say is, if Henderson goes back down to middleweight, and probably put that match together. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, although it's far fetched if that happens. I'm seeing. I'm. I'm cheating over here, guys. Uh, on George's uh, computer screen, I don't see Nate uh, listed in the top fifteen there. Am I wrong about that there? No, you're right. I mean, okay, yeah. um, no, he's not ranked in the top. Um, I'm trying to remember who is, uh, who's actually free these days. Uh, Munoz? Or maybe. Is maybe. Munoz booked on anything yet? No, because he, he, he just lost. he doesn't have a future fight, yeah. 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 Maybe Stevie Dalloway. He just came across a, a win. Dalloway, yep, that's right. Um, but I'm, I'm thinking somebody in that uh, 10 to 15 range. Um, for the for the middleweights, he's definitely been up there in rankings before. Before yeah. the rankings were official, I mean, the guy had a title shot up against Anderson Silva. He's fought the best of them. He's beaten absolutely. I think he knocked out Damian Maya with like a brutal right mm-hmm. one time. Maya, you did it. We got you. Oh. Bam! <laughs> all right, we're all screw ups. Air five. Air five there. Love it. <laughs> I am leaving. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> we all love each other. Well, let's leave New Zealand and let's talk about San Antonio. I, I think I would say out of the two events, San Antonio won my heart. Did you? If he, yeah. Um, I mean, I liked a few fights on each, mm-hmm. but I think San Antonio. Um, I'm a fan of Cub Swanson, mm-hmm. so that could be it. He, he was yep. he was fun to watch. Who especially. headlined the fight against Jeremy Stevens? Yep. Yeah, segue right into that. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> Fight night yeah. in San Antonio, Texas. Yep. Uh, Cub Swanson versus Jeremy Stevens. I believe, guys, I could be wrong about this. This may be the first time that they were in San Antonio as well. What was it? The San- UFC's debut in San Antonio? It says it's the first time in a while. Okay. Okay. So I'm sorry. There. No, no. It is the first time UFC has been there. Yeah. Well, but, MMA has been there, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. So two, Cub Swanson two town debuts. ranked number four. Uh, mm-hmm. Jeremy Stevens ranked number 11. Um, then we had uh, Kelvin Gastelum and Nico Muzoki mm-hmm. and Cesar Ferreira, Andrew Craig. Cesar Mutanch. Yeah, Mutanch is his <laughs> name. Really Maya, Maya, is... Maya, Damien Maya? What did I say? You said Maya. You said Maya. And how it's Maya. It? Maya. What's the difference? Really? A syllable? Okay. Vowels? Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm just checking. I'm just checking. No, I'm just continuing. <laughs> Answering your question, bro. I'm sorry. It's still stuck in my head. <laughs> Well, again, you know... And Ricardo Lamas and Hakran Diaz. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so... Let's, with, do, let's start from the bottom there. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, the main card to this show was, unfortunately, Decision City. Yeah. And not really the uh, the, the fireworks, um, you know, 
uh, Griffin Bonner kind of decision. Right. These were uh, these were pretty straightforward but as for the you, most part. Yeah, I, I completely um, agree. But as you see, you know, better and better level of competition in mm-hmm. in UFC and MMA in general. Sometimes you you come to realize that when the skill level is so evenly matched and so high, mm-hmm. going the distance isn't always a bad thing because you you're seeing such good technique mm-hmm. and such good you know yeah, skill if, overall. If there's action there, um, right? You know, and and at least one guy would stay busy in in each of these matches that right. we're talking about. But you know, they were for the most part. You know, I'm looking at some of the scores and uh, you know a lot of thirty twenty sevens. Ricardo Lamas versus mm-hmm. Hakran Diaz. Uh, 30-27 on two judges scorecard. Uh, all unanimous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the other thing. Unanimous decisions. There were a couple of splits in the lower part of the main card. Clint Hester over Antonio Brago Neto. Right. And Joe Ellenberger over James Mun, uh, Muntasri, uh, who I should say his name, I should know his name more clearly and better because he's a local star here. Yeah. Shout out to James and the Black House crew. Yep. Um, but, uh, you know, the undercard, again, really, uh, the, the prelims. Really uh, delivered as well. Ray Borg had uh, at, at 125. Ray Borg was his second uh, second UFC fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, defeated Shane Howell, who came in on a last minute notice, but it was a uh, sweet rear naked choke. Uh, two minutes 17 seconds into the first, we had a very interesting pair of finishes in the next two fights. Both at 38 seconds in the first round, Cody Gibson knocked out uh, his TKO of Johnny Bedford, which was a little bit controversial. Uh, might have been the early stoppage. Early There's a stoppage, lot of talk, yeah, yeah about that. Uh, it was just one of those things where, like, the ref hesitated, mm-hmm. and then like he puts his arm there. Like, it's one of those things where once you put your arm in, it's it's right. over. You know, once you touch the fighter, it's usually over. He didn't right. commit and he at first, but then he did commit yeah. because no other strikes. Uh, Cody Gibson knocked down Johnny Bedford with a, with an overhand right. Right. It was more as Bedford was uh, kind of uh, I don't want to say back reeling, but moving backwards, uh, and he fell on his butt. And apparently, um, I saw his hands drop as he uh, as he went down. It you know from certain vantage point, it seemed like he was knocked out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he quickly woke up and seemed like he was ready, kind of in open guard when he landed. Right. And that was a little bit of the hesitation. You know, Kerry Hatley apparently saw that. So his eyes rolled back and that mm-hmm. he was out, and that's when he jumped in. But because he recuperated so fast on the ground, you know, right. he was in open guard and had his hands up by that point. And that's when, you know, that's when Hatley said, well, maybe I should let this go. But by that point, he had made his decision and he had, had already, to stick right. with it. Yeah. And so um, so Johnny Bedford was, was pretty upset about that. Um, and, you know, that happens. It, it happens in MMA. Hard position to be in. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's tough. It really tough. is the job I would never want. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's cool. I mean, not cool, but, like, he was very more adamant about the actual money and making a living aspect than the actual record itself. If he loses, he loses. But the way he lost, he's, he was very, this is money off my family, you know, right. housing, children, you know, like he had a life that he relied on. Um, well, and just for it to go to that. I mean, it's one thing to get knocked out, but the way he lost, I mean, I completely understand. So right. he's kind of Perhaps very we'll understandably rematch. upset. And, he was yeah. looking good in the, the first 30 seconds or so. Right. Something you train as a, as a fighter is quick recovery mm-hmm. for that exact reason. Yeah. Don't let don't give the ref a chance to be like, okay, this guy's done. Yeah. So it, it sucks that he was going to recover quickly, but you know yeah. it was already over at that point. But maybe maybe the ref saw something once again that we didn't see because he has the best, best seat in the best house. Best seat in the house, right next to Bruce Buffer, who <laughs> yep. who was tweeting about how he will never never get it never gets old 
that he has the best seat in the house. There's Buffer right there against the cage every time. Yeah. yeah. Well, guy. the next match as well was a bit more uh, a bit more decisive. Carlos Diego Ferreira defeated uh, Colton Smith by the sub, uh, submission. Mm-hmm. Uh, tripped him down with a, a judo trip. Got a rear naked choke from the side. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Colton Smith tapped. There was no no debating that one. No. So he had some great uh, great action and early finishes earlier in the show. And, and then? Uh, you know, and then later on, the main card happened. We just, as I said, got into Decision City. And yeah. And I don't know we what to say about that. Fir- the first, <laughs> first one we had was a featherweight bout. It was Ricardo Lamas versus Hakaran Diaz. Mm-hmm. Hakaran Diaz trains with Jose Aldo. Mm-hmm. Um, Novo Unia fighter. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Lamas seemed to have his number, though, right. throughout the whole time. Lamas... Well, Lamas beat Cub Swanson, if mm-hmm. I recall. From a while back. Yeah, I think four years ago. Four years yeah. ago. I mean, still. Yeah, yep. still the history right. is there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's coming off of his uh, his match against uh, challenging for uh, for Jose Aldo's, Jose Aldo's title. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is his first match back? Look at yeah. him grinning. He yeah. grins at your It's face. one of those things where it's like, you gonna... don't have to be afraid of me correcting you. <laughs> but I will. <laughs> it, this, is much, this show is going to be even more confusing you, on the podcast when they can't see us looking at each other. You? you look afraid. Do I look afraid? You look afraid. Looks are deceiving. So they say. God, get a room, guys. Come on, let's talk <laughs> about fights here, huh? Anyway, I thought Hakron Diaz was having trouble finding his distance. Mm-hmm. Um, he, it was like he wanted to get uh, Ricardo Lamas at the end of his jab, and he just mm-hmm. kept kept missing he was by those too close or too far few and inches. Missing. Yeah, and that's that's a that's an annoying spot to be as a fighter. It's like that uh, defeat in your head like oh i can't even get my hands on him type thing mm-hmm. yeah so um that's why also a lot of fighters i think play like the hop and skip game in the first round is to mentally defeat the opponent like you can't touch me you can't touch me they yeah. study them then they come back to the second round oh yeah and bring it each, on in each match every round almost is a new match unto itself you know? right i mean unless the momentum is going you know there there is that but at least it can be a new match mm-hmm. i'll put it like that you can lose one come back and if you and your coaches do, you know, can make the right adjustments in that one minute between them, mm-hmm. you can come out a completely new fighter. We'll talk and, about uh, that in the main event. That yeah, happened. yeah, exactly. But Lamas really was busier in this match. You know, he just uh, more aggressive, he, he, more aggressive, busier, Absolutely. pushed the pace, and went on to to win by unanimous decision. It was pretty uh, straight straightforward. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, uh, I'm looking a third uh, round three. Really had that body clinch. On, Round three, uh, he wrestled. On DS, yeah. He, he went back to his routine, started wrestling, and that's when it really became definitive. He was mm-hmm. uh, complete cage dominance. Just, yeah. you know, had control the whole time was the main thing that I that I put down here. Um, his movement seemed better than Hakron's. Like mm-hmm. I said, closing the distance, finding that finding that distance, finding his range. Yeah. Just o- overall the dominant fighter, I think. Yeah. It's it's the reason why we saw Lamas, you know, rise to the top when he was mm-hmm. on his uh, run for the title. Mm-hmm. And uh so now we're seeing him build up again. Doesn't seems like he hasn't really lost uh lost a step too much. No, I don't think so. I think yeah. he he looked good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then we had a uh, middleweight yep. Cesar Ferreira versus Andrew Craig. Um Another Vitor Belfort was in mm-hmm. Vitor, Vitor coached uh, Cesar Matanch in the first season of Ultimate Fighter Matanch. Brazil, mm-hmm. and uh, apparently you know they've stuck together. So it seems um, right in the mo- beginning there, Cesar did the standing guillotine, jumped right. the guard, mm-hmm. tried to bring him down. It didn't work, but I always love seeing something ambitious like that right right in the first round. Yeah, not uh, not exactly the again the most uh, uh, the most 
exciting, thrilling match. No. Although towards until the end, yeah, until that <laughs> third round. That third round was good, eh? Um, but uh, yeah, Matanj fought very safely. <laughs> sorry, you just sounded Canadian. I was gonna, yeah, that I'm was so good. Sorry. I, 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 heard that too. I just didn't say anything. Yeah, shout bad. out to my great white North. I grew up. You know, grew up right on the border. My folks still live right on the border. I got mad love for Canada. Yeah, maybe he has some, you know, Canadian oh. in him. Oh, sir, sorry. Sorry about that, eh? Uh, no worries, eh? <laughs> sorry, eh? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I keep the great white north. I, I consider myself honorary Canadian. Big up to, to Fubar, Terry, and Diener, and Bob and Don Honorary McKenzie. Canadian. Yeah. Hey, hey, <laughs> we'll give it to you. But, uh, so, in the, you know, the, the match, both these guys... Fought safely. They were. I think they were looking for their openings. Didn't mm-hmm. really get a whole lot off. Andrew was bloody right away in the first round. Yep. I think he was Opened bleeding up. from the top of his scalp or his temple. Looked like the temple. Tell, yeah, was, uh, he had the left temple, I believe. Okay. Um, but then in that uh, that third round, that's when you know he really. Even though Mutanch was was definitely in control. Uh-huh. Um, With well, that body scissors. Yeah. I mean, not that many people can get up when done correctly. I mean, I think it was done correctly. So for Andrew Craig to still kind of recover from that, mm-hmm. dude, kudos to that guy. Oh and for him yeah. To, Really? He was in a body triangle on, on uh, let's explain, the, he was in a body triangle against the cage for, I don't, I didn't Matanch count, was against the minutes. cage mm-hmm. and had Craig in that triangle. Yeah. And that, uh, that'll kill your cardio. I mean, you've, mm-hmm. you, those guys are already into the third round there, you know, the 10 to 15 minute mark. Mm-hmm. And, and he's fighting the rear yeah, naked. Craig is throwing elbows, trying to nail the back of, uh, or th- throw elbows to the back, trying to nail Mutanch in the face. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he was landing quite a few. He you know, his face his was bloody. His defense from that position was mm-hmm. so admirable. It was like he wasn't giving. He was swinging like hell. Whether it was hammer fists, you know, elbows, he wasn't giving up in that position. It's a very defeating position. You know, someone's mm. on your back. He has a body triangle, which is so much tighter than just having your hooks in. I mean, you're squeezing the rib cage. If, and if it's tight you're, you're already down two rounds to nothing at that point. Right. That's yeah. true. Um, yeah. Craig somehow got out of that. Um, Landed and with a couple amazing shots. Turned around with the head Knocked kick. I remember once they got to their feet, as Craig soon, turns around and bam to the up. face. Eh? Mm-hmm. Shoot, there it is again. <laughs> <laughs> what, is, what is with what's? I was gonna say what's in the water today? It must be the water. It's, the wa- it's our filtered LA water. That's not water. <laughs> oh. Oops. <laughs> All <Yes>. right. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, but as soon as he stood back up from that escape, you would think he would be so tired because mm-hmm. it's so tiring being put in that position. He gets up, immediate head kick. I don't even think he had his balance yet, and just rushed him into the cage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it made for a very good last minute or minute and a half, I'd say, of the match. Right. Uh, that otherwise was pretty one-sided and uneventful. Right. Um, and then in the main semi-main, we had Kelvin Gastelum versus uh, Nico Masoke, mm-hmm. and that was another. Uh, um, that went to decision as well. Well, hmm. as we said, all of them. Unanimous decision. Kelvin Gastelum walks away on scores of, uh, let's see here. What are my notes? I think it was Where are uh, my notes? Darn it. 29-28, 29-28, and 28-29. Yeah. But it was okay. unanimous. Yeah, Nico won the uh, first round, it was, right? And Kelvin came back and won the second. Actually, third, no, I'm I sorry. I think it was all. It was 29-28. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think all the judges scored at 29-28. Yeah. But, yeah. um Kelvin Gastelum, I love Kelvin Gastelum. I mean, the little train that could, right? Engine that could, yeah. Here's a guy who uh, alumni, not only just alumni, he won the tough enough, not tough enough, uh, ultimate, ultimate fighter, fighter uh, Jones versus Sonnen, picked last by Chael mm-hmm. Sonnen. Mm-hmm. Here's a guy who beat everyone there. I mean, here's including a guy who, the favorite Uriah Hall, including Uriah Hall. Um, Gastelum undefeated, 
Just mm-hmm. young, 22, 23-year-old. I mean, here's a guy 22. who... I think that they're really grooming him to try to be the next big welterweight. One, the show, as a middleweight, goes down to welterweight. Yeah. And um, not to mention, Uriah Hall was on a was on a roll oh, on that man. season. He was yeah. sending guys to the hospital left and right. They make jokes that every guy went to the hospital that, that fought him on that show. And then, here's the underdog, pick last mm-hmm. on the Ultimate Fighter, ends up winning. Yeah. The entire thing against Uriah Hall. Yeah, so, so I, mean, I think that gives him. So I really think, in some ways, they are grooming him. You know, kind of not throwing him to the wolves immediately, but still giving him good fighters. Right. Um, but at the end, I don't think he was that impressive. I think he was dominant. I think it was one sided, but not as one sided as I would have expected it to be. Right. <laughs> I well, I think that that um, what's that? Nico had a distinct range advantage on him. I mean, he clearly had the reach advantage. Mm-hmm. And um, his fight was, Kelvin's fight was to, to get in close and to do some dirty boxing. And he did in the in the later rounds. Yeah. At first, I think he was finding his distance, really trying to figure out, okay, how do I fight an opponent like this? I think he has such a stocky build. Yeah. So it's awkward when you're fighting someone who has a really athletic, long, lanky build. You know, but that's something that, he has to face with everybody. I mean, Uriah Hall was is right. bigger, and he dealt with that. That's true. And Kelvin's uh, Kelvin's bread and butter is going to be closing the distance and either getting that takedown, you know, and using his power, mm-hmm. or uh, or that dirty boxing, you know, and, and throwing uppercuts and body shots and things. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he did give that that first round, but came back in the second and third. Um, in the third, he had some awesome kicks. Mm-hmm. They were really you could see they were really hurting Nico. Yeah, yeah. He started taking off there. Um, so that one, you know, uh, Gastelum continues to uh, continues to work up the, the rankings. Mm-hmm. What, we said he's number 11 right now? In the UFC right rankings? now he's number 11. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Where do we go from there with him, do you think? Welterweight. Come on. Hit that, uh, hit that computer, I'm man. I'm trying not to. Open up. I, well, I want you to. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, I mean, if he's ranked number 11, I mean, you got... I want to say Don Hyun Kim, stun gun. Yeah, oh well, he's he's hurt. Dong Hyun no, 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 Kim. he's hurt. He's the one that just got hurt. That was supposed to fight in China, correct? Uh, isn't he fighting? Um, or was it? No, he's fighting. Uh, Woodley. No, no, your he's boy. fighting Woodley. Okay, Hector yeah. Lombard is the one that got hurt. Hector yes. Lombard got hurt, pulled out against Dong Hyun Kim, mm-hmm. and now his teammate Tyrone Woodley is fighting Dong Hyun Kim. Um, I say put him up against Damian Maya. Yeah, that, well, that's mm. what we said in the trailer. Damian Maya would be a, a good position for him. He's ranked number ten, I think. Number eight. Is he eight? Yeah. Okay. Or Ellenberger. I mean, Ellenberger coming off a loss. I was mentioning though, it's kind of like yeah. a no win for Ellenberger. He yeah. wins. He beat a guy who was on the way up. He loses the third loss in a row. So I mean, it's kind of tough. If he loses, tough. it puts him in a really bad position. Yeah. Yeah. If he wins, it. It puts him where he is still. I mean, and, it's and then, not like a... And then with Kelvin, I mean, I think I've gone on record in saying sometimes a loss can be the best thing for your career. So if uh, you put up against um, Kelvin, then who knows? Maybe that loss can maybe just help you... Help Ellenberger? As, no, no, no. Help... Uh, help Kelvin? Kelvin. Kelvin Gastelum. Well, in, in what, in but what, if he's undefeated now, then it kind of takes the wind out of his sails. Well, I mean, you know? I'm saying, though, but like, it's like you Granted, lost. he fights a higher-level guy. Yeah, so it's kind of like you lost when you put up in, a, in that situation. So mm-hmm. now what? Now you're going to do try to prevent that from happening again. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sometimes you just so get you better. you mean mentally preparing better? Yeah. Okay. Like, you, like, I think I said it last show where look at St. Pierre or Cain Velasquez. They've lost the last fight. I'm sorry, since their last loss, they've gone on a destructive tear where it's like, mm. there's no way they're going to lose against some of these guys. And mm-hmm. who knows? Maybe that might be the same for Kelvin Gastelum if he loses 
I, but I think it's more of a no situation for Kelvin, no win situation for Ellenberger if they ever fight next. Hmm. I agree. I, I'd say Damian Maya over wrestler versus wrestler, especially because Maya. I think he's going to fight a ground guy in either of those scenarios. Yeah, right. Especially with Maya, it's like he's there. He's not. I don't think he's ever going to get that title shot. But he's still kind of in the middle of the pack where right. He's still good enough, but not mm-hmm. that guy. You know. Yeah, I'm 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 mad that Hector Lombard got hurt, and I'm not just speaking from a biased opinion because I know him, but he's a good contender in that top. I think he's ranked yeah. number six. I was really looking forward to seeing him move up between those top five guys. Yeah, he he hasn't had the run that a lot of people expected him to um, when, when he came to the UFC. He had some jitters, I think, in, in the first couple fights in the UFC, and then I think ever since mm-hmm. he's been proving himself. Yeah. Well, he fought at middleweight weight. for a little bit, so mm-hmm. ever since he came to welterweight, he's been kind of, like you said, just on that right. tear. Right, yeah, on the up now. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. Time, well, it should be interesting seeing his teammate take over. Isn't that, like, that's like a weird thing. I mean, it happens a lot, but a teammate taking over for your fight. If he wins... Rare in, at this high level of the sport. That's yeah. what I mean. Like, when you're in the top 15 rankings and you're giving up a fight to your teammate, mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's a thing, I would say, to be talked about. Yeah. Um, like, do you feel... Obviously, well, you want it him works to out win. for the coach. <laughs> you know, That's nothing true. changes there too much. Ricardo Lamborio, I'm sure, is very happy. <laughs> um, uh, then we have our main event. Mm-hmm. It's featherweight. Cub Swanson, Cub Swanson. Jeremy, and Jeremy Stevens. Uh, Cub goes on to win by unanimous decision. Oh, by decision. Good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, un- unexpected. <laughs> 49-46, 49-46, and 48-47 were the scores, which... Um, to me, seemed a little bit farther out yeah, than I you know. I when uh, when people were talking about this match, you know, I, I saw it delayed, uh, delayed viewing. Um, but it sounded like it was it, people made it out to me to be like a match of the year contender, really close, uh, or rather just uh, the opposite. You know, Cub Swanson's you know uh, coming out party once again, and I didn't see it really as as a landslide. It wasn't definitive either way, I don't yeah. think. I, I mean, think I would have given it a 48-47, but I don't see the 49-46s. Cub Swanson won, but I don't see the 49-46s either. Mm-hmm. I, th- I definitely gave the first two rounds to Jeremy Stevens. I agree. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you do? <laughs> but no. then Cub came back in the, in the second half. What Cub did in the last three mm-hmm. was way more than Jeremy did in the first two. Mm-hmm. I'll say that. And it was three versus sure. two, so obviously it's a natural win. But mm-hmm. what Cubs did in the last round, if he would have fought, he said he went to his corner. And he's like, you know, how am I doing? Do you want me to turn it up a little bit? And yeah. his coach was like, hell yeah, I want you to turn it up a little bit. And then he came back. <laughs> Ask and a like, dumb question, okay, quite okay. frankly. And you could tell that that conversation went on because he notably turned it up and, and came out and was just stronger than ever. I mean, he kept throwing those cartwheel kicks, so it was pretty impressive. Yeah. He landed, it looked mm-hmm. like he landed a few of them, too. Yeah, he did. It, it's so strange. Like, is it the fact I was thinking about it today? Like, how do those kicks land? Because you you obviously see them coming. You know, you're, you're seeing watching a guy do a cartwheel. It's not as fast as a guy throwing a jab right from his from his chest. So is is it the fact that you think it's coming from somewhere else? Hmm. Well, it's Let's very. Let's try it. <laughs> here. here you go. Come here. Get right up there. on there. Right there. Get oh. get up right on the on right the there. the counter here. It's plexiglass. <laughs> yeah, it'll, it'll hold her. <laughs> I don't know about you. But uh, you know, it's it, it's a kick that you don't see too often in MMA. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's you know derives from capoeira background, or certainly used in capoeira. Mm-hmm. It's, a, um, it's a show move. I mean, mm-hmm. people yeah. do it. Um, and once in a while, it, it does work. I think uh, Brian um, 
Gosh, who am I thinking of here? Um, his name's on the tip of my tongue. Training in uh, Australia. American guy. He lives in Australia and now in Thailand with Tiger Muay Thai. Mm-hmm. Brian uh, Ebersol. Brian Ebersol. Mm-hmm. We'll, uh, we'll throw that every once in a while in okay. his matches. Um, Is he the guy that always has a chest hair pointing up? That's who I'm talking about. Exactly. <laughs> that's him. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, when, when your body movement, throwing this kick, you're putting your hand down on the ground. Mm-hmm. And so naturally, I think the opponent's reaction is possibly, okay, this guy is going for uh, a low leg kick, almost like a sweep. Right, you know? right. It fakes, it fakes movement of a sweep, and then you're throwing That's that outside thinking. leg higher. As a know? fighter, you know he's not going for something like that. You know mm-hmm. it's a cartwheel kick, but I think maybe natural human mentality takes over yeah, well, instinct, and yeah. you're like, oh, my God, he's going down. I'm going down, too. He's going to hit me down. And then, That's like the fake of the Superman the punch. Exactly. You, know, you think that you're, uh, you're getting a kick when, in fact, you're, you're taking a punch to the face. So. We're still going to try it, though. <laughs> After the show, yes. Mm-hmm. The, the blooper reel. Oh, UFC after Buzz you blooper best reel. believe we're going to try it. <laughs> Not on me. I'll referee this one. All right. Sounds good to me. So, you know, of the two shows, um, there's a lot a lot for us to talk about, you know, to digest. A lot of people did not react well to these shows, you know, among the fan community and online. You're seeing a lot of discussion about how these shows were watered down and neither of them really was, was bang for the buck. Well, here's what they say. I mean, they're, they're fans that most of the, I shouldn't say most of the fans, but a lot of the casual fans mm-hmm. know maybe the top 50 or so guys. Mm-hmm. And here are two events in the same night, you know, however many fights that is total, mm-hmm. with no real names. You know what I'm saying? So if they didn't know James Tahuna or, or. Here's the tricky Mark part, though. Or, How do we define names? Names can be guys in those top 10, top 5. Uh, you know, rankings, mm-hmm. or they can also be names that are recognizable to the casual fan. And I would agree with you; these are not right. uh, these are not guys that typically are, are going to be known to the casual fan. Right. Um, but that's that brings in the the very interesting conversation about uh, whether this is good for the sport or whether it's not. You know, is it uh, um, is it going to help the UFC's bottom line, and is it not? In my opinion. It's more a conversation or, or the the critical factor is it's penny-wise and pound-foolish. Over the long run, here, here's my my interpretation of where the UFC is coming from. And I could be wrong. I don't talk to anybody there that you know would give me this kind of insight. But when you step back and you look at the marketing strategy, they've got Fight Pass now, which is offering us more fights historically as well as throughout the world. Mm-hmm. They're expanding – Ultimate Fighter Series to different countries. They've had them in mm-hmm. China, and most people don't even know that. Brazil is three seasons in, going into a fourth. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to remember where else. we got Mexico, Mexico correct? Mexico's coming yep. up soon. Yeah. Um, so the point is that the UFC is very clearly expanding internationally, and not, not just in bringing a show there, but establishing a presence there, a long-term presence. Mm-hmm. Um, given that... You've got they, – they need to do shows that address that local market, you know, whether it's New Zealand, Berlin, uh, the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Um, have they run the Philippines? I feel like they've talked about it for a long time. I don't think so. Not, not yet, quite though. yet. Yeah. Um, but uh, where am I thinking in the Middle East as well? Um, uh, uh, Abu Dhabi. Dubai. Yeah. Dubai. Abu, Dhabi. Abu Dhabi. Pardon they have me. Some yeah. big shows there. Um, so these different places that they have to hit, you know, they're bringing in local fighters there. 
I think it it makes sense in this regard. I'm not saying there's a, a final answer. There's good and bad to the whole thing. The bad is obviously we have way, we have way too many matches, way too many uh, shows and fighters to keep track of. And right. Anybody that tries to watch every show is going to get super frustrated well, like us. That's you know? the thing. Go ahead. But all this said, the UFC now has done these shows in all these different countries and they've got fighters tied into contracts there, into UFC contracts. Mm-hmm. They're now UFC fighters. They may not be ready for Las Vegas or Toronto or Montreal. Right. But these are guys that they can grow – uh, under the UFC banner. Well, that's know? the thing. When they go to these new countries, they have to get their homegrown guys. They, ha- they have to establish their home homegrown yeah. heroes. They have to get their GSPs and their Anderson Silvas, just like we had to work for yeah. it. I mean, you got to think too, where it's like, I think the Auckland show drew like 9,000. Like, how many right. of those people would have not gone had Tahuna not been in the main event? So just. Mm-hmm. That's true. Uh, well, it being the first time, usually, yeah, as, yeah. as we know, the history is the UFC will do well in their first show, and then afterwards it'll drop off or not, depending on who's in the main. Right. But yeah, you. Here's the thing the UFC has only so many bona fide stars. And right. you can tour them around to different places only so many times. They're going to fight mm-hmm. only so many times in a year. Not as many times as there as the UFC is hitting all these different countries. So you got to get guys uh, that are local. I mean, it, it serves two masters. One, they're local draws. Mm-hmm. Two, you're building up guys that are local draws, but also you can build them up into uh, eventually getting to the big shows. Like in Vegas or Montreal or wherever. Right, or maybe those shows like in Auckland, New Zealand will eventually be huge shows because maybe Auckland, New Zealand will eventually become huge UFC fans. Let me me ask you this, though, and I know this is a UFC show, but a lot of the things that you mentioned are very much so the same formula that they use for professional wrestling. And I say that because, Hmm. you know know what I mean? So it's kind of like you market wrestling the way same way you market MMA. So I say that because do you think with all these little shows – it kind of brings out the sport aspect more of UFC, kind of like, well, we don't just need the big names. We need the, the smaller the smaller shows, the smaller arenas, the, the not-so-big, you know, superstars guys. Because, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. for example, sports, NFL, it sells itself. Yeah. NBA, it sells itself. It right. doesn't matter who's playing. It, it It's still the sport itself. And so that's with, the case for the UFC, yeah. at least in the first time. Yeah, so I think I think... Again, we're not there, so I think with UFC, I think it just brings out the sport aspect more if you have a lot of these guys maybe no one really knows of because it's like, well, it's UFC. We want. Oh, you see, in other words, you're seeing these guys grow up the ladder. Yeah. That's what you mean that, by bringing out the sport aspect? Yeah, that, and like I said, just kind of having it where we're a sport. So we need to be on all the time the same way the other sports mm. are on all the time. Okay, so consistency. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's just like to be said for when that. you watch a pilot of a new TV show. You watch mm-hmm. it and you're like, I don't know these actors. These are new because you've been mm-hmm. watching Dexter or Homeland for five seasons. Right. And then you eventually adapt to the characters and you're like, oh, my God, I love James or I love her or I love mm-hmm. her. And you go to love them. Mm-hmm. But at first it was this foreign thing that you know you weren't so comfortable with. I think it's the same thing with, with any sport. Once we introduce these guys, like, you know, yeah. Mark Hart, he's been around a while, so it's a bad example, but James Tahuna, once they really get established in these countries, they're going to be the new fan favorite. Mm-hmm. They have to build their own favorites. They have to yeah. build their own set of fighters that they follow, whether it's the same set of fighters that Americans follow or whether it's their own yeah. niche. You know? we'll, we'll see that. You know, there definitely are favorites. Obviously, James Tahuna got a lot of support from uh, – I, I wonder if that whole Maori uh, tribal 
introduction was something uh, done by the UFC, or if James and his guys I, asked to do that, who I was knows? wondering the same thing. I think I mean, but, it felt like he was with the spirits, and he he <laughs> he was you know bringing something from New Zealand to yeah. us. But but it was it was nice showmanship, you know, mm-hmm. and, and clearly the fans were behind him. The fans will be behind Mark Hunt when he fights uh, Big Roy Nelson a couple months from now. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's in Australia, right? Or is that no? That's Japan. That's Tokyo. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Saitama. Um, you know, the other thing I noted as we were. Um, here, Colin McGregor, there's another case in point. You know, mm-hmm. they're going back to Ireland for the first time in five years. I'd, I'd argue mostly because of Colin, because they want to build him up. And also because Connor. it makes – Connor. Jeez Louise. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm going home getting some sleep after this one, guys. I apologize. Make sure you bring your mom ice cream first. Yes, yeah, that too. Um, but I was going to say, watching these shows, the, the undercards – Two things. One, a lot of times the undercard matches when uh, guys are so hungry to impress that you get really captivating, exciting matches in the prelims and the undercard. Mm -hmm. And that was the case on this show. Uh, I point to Ray Borg as having a great performance there. And also there was a 55er, I believe, Australian Jake Matthews. Mm -hmm. Really exciting kid. I can see him as – as a guy that they're they're looking to build around, I think he's 19 years old. Wow, uh, I forgot to. Uh, well, he's a be... first round. Uh, oh, no. First round finish for him, um, but great performance, good look, uh, spoke well. You know, young guy, really exciting. His dad was his cornerman, which to me oh, that's says, always awesome. Yeah, which to me says you know it's a nice family affair. So th- he's got a good support network. Right. Um, I can see a lot of a lot of, a bright future for that guy. Right. And that's what you're going to have with a lot of these uh, a lot of these localized regional shows uh, overseas, the international shows. Right. Um, and eventually you will see them, uh, you know, brought to brought into the U.S., uh, the mainstream shows here. I'm sure. And, well, that's what it's all about right now for these guys that are getting their first shot in all these different countries is mm-hmm. getting out there and making a name for themselves. Yeah, yeah. The UFC does, I think, subliminally or intentionally make a name for certain guys that they have hope in and faith in. Mm-hmm. But... It's also your responsibility as a fighter to mm-hmm. market yourself and your marketing team's responsibility. Yeah. It's like, are you going to get out there and be the guy that talks a lot of crap, like the Diaz brothers, but mm-hmm. it works for them? Mm-hmm. Or are you going to be the guy that go out, goes out there and is Mr. Noble, like, you know, GSP maybe? Or, you know, what kind of fighter are you going to be? Because at the end of the day, I will compare it to WWE. I will compare it to wrestling for once. Um, you, you are a character. Mm-hmm. Your your face for these people, these fans to love, You're selling and cheer your for. your talent, your personality, yeah. who you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you are your own brand. I Absolutely. mean, two words: Chael Sonnen. Yep. I mean, here's a yeah. guy who was a virtual nobody until one fight, and then the guy was a self made man. That guy just a lot of the things. Don't get me wrong; it was all crazy. But honestly, it took me a while, and I was like, "Wow, this guy is a genius." Yeah, <laughs> this guy probably has a job for life with not only the UFC mm-hmm. but Fox. I mean, if you want that kind of career, I mean, you know. Tailstone is the guy to model your, your career after. played his cards right. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it was something that he evolved. It didn't come right away. It was middle through his career. No, it didn't. Uh, and it's something that I think he had to fine-tune and test. Now, in, in yeah, form, uh, fine-tune along the way. And he started out playing a bad guy, and that literally was his thing, playing a bad guy. Mm-hmm. And then realizing his gift of gab, um, he was able to – I mean. Using the, the pro wrestling parlance, talk about turning baby face when you want to or heel when you need to. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's different than a lot of these kids. Yeah, they got to find their own voice. We'll say they find their own voice 
what speaks to their brand. I don't think you necessarily need to take on an archetype, you know? Okay. Um, but, you know, guys like uh, Conor McGregor, uh, he knows his voice, his character, you know? Um, same thing with a lot of these other kids. We'll, we'll see that in the future. That's part of this whole thing. We'd say it's a company – Mm-hmm. selling personalities right. and who do you want to root for that's what yep. it comes down it's to it's not a team sport yeah it's one of the only ones that's not so the flip side of the saturation is that damn there's way too many fights to watch man yeah it is i started hard. this at 10 a.m and it's 6 p.m now that we're on and i've been watching fights all day mm-hmm. it's uh, exhausting good problem to have i suppose but it's a problem <laughs> so i mean as long as we see quality maintained Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about them all being knockout fights, but yeah. just just quality fighters. As yeah. long as they're all... Go on. No, I'm just trying to point that out. That was cute. We're, we're rapping. Yeah, we're oh, getting we the signal. So <laughs> let's talk real quickly about a couple things coming up uh, and then wrap this thing up. Super exciting events coming up. We yeah. have... Uh, this Saturday... UFC 175. Another weekend, another double shot <laughs> weekends. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the matches, the hits just keep on coming, right? <laughs> As Jay Tan says. UFC 175. Mm hmm. We have Ronda Rousey on that card. We have Chris Weidman have Chris versus Leona Machida. Mm-hmm. Lexus Davis challenges for the women's title yep. against Ronda. Um, Uriah Faber and uh, Alex Caceres. I haven't Bruce heard about Leroy. him in a while. Uh, and then we have the Ultimate Fighter finale. Yep, Frankie Edgar and BJ, BJ Penn, Penn going uh, third shot this time at 145 as opposed to 55. Let's see if anything changes. Then mid-July, man, we got Fight Night on July 16th, a.k.a. International J-Day. Uh, fight Night July 19th. Birthday. Yeah. <laughs> yep, double ooh, birthday. Ooh. Talking about double shot. Hey, man. Oh, okay. isn't it both your birthdays on the same day? That's right. July oh, 16th. Happy birthday, boys. Um, thank yet. you so much. And then, You're you know, welcome. another one. Let's see. I got one, two, three. Well, th- yeah, three matches, three shows in July, and then one that first weekend of uh, of August. That's mm-hmm. UFC 176 at the Staples Center. Awesome. Hopefully right we'll be here there. here in Los Angeles. Yeah. So we're going to be around for for quite a bit guys. Uh, a lot of matches coming up and yep. we'll be here to talk about them with you. Get your plugs in and then I will tell them when we will be back. George. Do you want to plug oh, me? Uh, yeah, I guess so. The book? I guess we didn't, we didn't mention the book. Marie Buy Menounos. that book. Buy the book. The Every uh, Girl's Guide to I already Diet read and Fitness. It. Uh, me personally, you can follow me on Twitter at Hermosa. Go to podomatic.com. Follow the Chris Claus show. It's fun. It's exciting. <laughs> um is this legal? Gosh, I don't have my book with me, but I want everybody to go to Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble or AscendBooks.com. Buy this book. Thank you, man. Is this legal? For you MMA buffs, this is uh, the story of the, the creator of the UFC, Art Davey, and his uh, his walk towards building UFC 1. It's a really fascinating and fun, easy read. Uh, aside from that, Mom, please tell Dad to change his Twitter password. I keep still getting spam DMs from him. Kind of getting sick of it. Speaking of Art Davies' book, I just got my copy, and I'm so excited to dive into reading that and learning about the history of the UFC. Mm -hmm. On top of that, DarryRay.com. Follow me there. Guys, we will be back next Wednesday, I believe. We have to confirm that with our scheduling guy. 
Stephen Phillip in the back. Um, USC 175 <laughs> and the ultimate fighter finale. We got one other screw up right under the wire. What? UFC. I said that. I you said USC. USC. <laughs> now they're making shit up. Anyway, we will be back <laughs> next Tuesday or Wednesday. Jay Tan, George Ramosa, Gary Bernardo. So long from the screw up show. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later! The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 